to sum that all up is to say, I believe that sometimes your pain leads you to lead you to your purpose. And so when I'm coaching athletes from the mental space, yes, performance comes into it. And yes, all these other things come into it. But really what drives me is helping individuals learn how to achieve and maintain mental peace. Because I think once you have that, all the other stuff falls into place, right? Because I think the inner stuff is what affects the outer game. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by mental health and mindset coach, Misty Buck. In addition to working with athletes, Misty is an international speaker and author. Her first book, Athlete Mental Health Playbook, won her critical acclaim, becoming a go-to resource for athletes, coaches, and educators. Misty regularly hosts workshops for university-owned organizations where she shares insights and inspiration on mental wellness, mindset, and branding. Check out PurposeSoulAthletics.com for more information. Before we hear from Misty, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoti Podcast. Most of the time, you know, I get to talk with either high school, uh, college, some junior college, sometimes NBA, that's very rare, but sometimes, uh, but just basketball coaches or or even some trainers, maybe some guys in in the, the fitness space, but I really haven't had an opportunity to talk to anybody on the mental training side, the mental performance. And, and so this is really exciting for me. Misty, thank you so much for giving up your time and coming on and, and talking a little bit. Oh my God. I'm super excited to be here, Matt. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. So how did you get started with this, this kind of like, if you look at a, at a, at a player or an athlete of any, any sport as a, yeah. as a pie chart, I mean, obviously that mental side to it is huge. I mean, it, and sometimes it trumps the training side and all the skill development or, or anything that they've done, but how did you get into this? Yeah, I, that's a really good question. So um, and actually we have a mutual friend, Dre Baldwin, right? So, um, he's part of this story. So, um, but I'll tell it as quickly as I can, but basically I've always been around sports and around coaching, even as a teenager. So when I was in cheerleading and then I volunteered as a cheerleading coach for youth athletes, which was like my favorite thing that I like ever did in my whole life. I just loved coaching. My dad was a football coach and my brother was a football player, but I was always like, helping my dad. I don't know. I don't know why it just was that way. Like I just was always helping my dad with none like the X's and O's, but like motivation speeches, getting the players in the right mindset. We just would constantly have these conversations. And so it, it just was something that I grew up with, but I also just always really, really loved. Um, and then, <clears throat> but on the same side of that, you know, mental health has been a big part of my journey. And I struggled in high school very much so with mental health, with depression, with when there was even, you know, a much bigger stigma than there is today around that. Um, this was like late 90s. And, um, you know, it was, it was a completely different time period back then. And so I was like the kid that was always around sports, but I was also super sensitive or we'll we say now empathic, hmm. which wasn't a term anybody used back then. So I just thought there was something wrong with me because I'm like, I'm having all these feelings. I have all these emotions. I can cry at the drop of a hat, right? But 
and everyone around me, and especially like in the sports world and, and very much in that tough love environment that were those in those days, especially yeah. was Missy, you're so weak. Why are you being so soft? Stop crying. And so all I ever thought, Matt, was, God, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I feel so much more than everybody else? Why am I not as tough as these other kids? Like, why don't I show up like that? Like, what's what's the deal with that? You know, so like the things that actually made me a really good coach and a really good, I'll call myself an assistant to my dad <laughs> being a coach was that em- that empathic part of myself that I had like the compassion. I could really tap into those things about people. But it also was like this something that I didn't understand and something that became sort of a hindrance. And so when I went through some stuff in high school, I think it was sort of a perfect storm of, of the things that I went through in high school, not having the emotional skills and um, probably hormones, you know, at that age too. Sure. And so, and so I, but I fell into this really, really bad, bad place and I wanted to end my life. And I always say mm-hmm. by the grace of the God, you know, I ended up having a conversation with my mom about it. And I got the help that I needed. But then I thought I was, okay, I'm really crazy because now I'm seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist, right? So I'm sharing that because, not because it's easy for me to talk about or as an easy journey, but because I just didn't have the tools and the skill set and there was no one around me at that time to teach me these things, right? So, uh, you know, fast forward through college and I ended up with anxiety again, didn't know what that was, just knew that I was having like sort of what I now know are panic attacks, you know, with like different symptoms of anxiety. So really mental health has been this part of my whole journey in my life. It's still something that I work very hard to manage and it's why I've studied, I, why I study mindfulness and mindset and things like that so deeply because um, I need to apply it to my own life, right? So uh, what led me here to why we're chatting today as a coach in the mental space is because of my experiences. So when I got certified as a life coach in like 2015, and um, I had hired several coaches to help me, and this is where I'm going to give a shout out to Dre Baldwin. He's the only coach who actually asked me, um, you know, years later, it was probably like 2017 or so. Missy, what are the things in your life that have impacted you the most? And so I thought about that and I'm like, wow, you know, I've never duplicated that love for coaching anywhere else is number one and being in sports. Like there's nothing has ever come close to that else in my life, that level of satisfaction. And which I'm sure you get, you know, as a coach, like it just is a different level. It's like a different level, right? So it was that, that level of satisfaction and and really just in impacting these individuals lives. And then my struggle with mental health and kind of how that all collided. And so it was like, oh, when he asked me that, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, I should, why am I not talking about mental health for athletes? Like why, why, you know, so I started the blog and I started um, just really doing that. And the blog became the mental health playbook. So this book, which was published in 2020, and then my second book was published this year. So, um, you know, that's, that's essentially my journey which to sum that all up is to say, I believe that sometimes your pain leads you to lead you to your purpose. And so when I'm coaching athletes from the mental space, yes, performance comes into it. And yes, all these other things come into it. But really what drives me is helping individuals learn how to achieve and maintain mental peace. Because I think once you have that, all the other stuff falls into place, right? Because I think the inner stuff is what affects the outer game. Hmm. So that's essentially how I got here. <laughs> no, that's good. And I, I appreciate you sharing that. It does give me, 
I guess a little bit more clarity too with some of the things we're going to talk about, just knowing a little bit more about your story. You and I came up through high school around the same time. I was a late 90s high school kid. And and so my coaches and a lot of coaches during that time period were, you know, Bobby Knight disciples. Like that was kind of the who they came up and, and were trying to emulate. And so right. you're right on the money. I mean, at that point, mental toughness just meant shut up, do your job, don't whine or complain. And if you are in your feelings, sorry, like you don't, be, you're not, you're not going to be on the team anymore. You're not, like we, no, we, we're not going to address it. And I feel like it's in a better place now, but my, my first thought was, okay, I'm a product of the coaches that I had, but that's not an excuse to have put my head in the sand. But what I'm excited about is I think in the last five years or so, you know, coaches like you are becoming way more popular their messages are out there so hopefully this next round of coaches that you know maybe are 20 or so right now they're going to be great at this and, and and there will be this whole group of athletes that grow up in programs where these needs and and this the, the, the idea of having awareness of how they're feeling i mean it's actually acknowledged exactly Exactly. That's my, you know, that's my hope as well. I think that as we create the awareness and we tell these things and we're open about them, that we're able to be the resource that we didn't have when we were growing up. Right. So I think that's always really important part is that each, I think each generation, hopefully, you know, you learn and then you do better for the next generation. And that's where we're at with this. But I don't want to be the coach that just says, well, someone else is going to do it. I don't have to worry about that because I wasn't grown. I wasn't brought up or trained that way. But you've been able to see now, like even in the college space, guys like Scott Drew that are way more about the individual than just the player. I I think my question is, is like a lot of times we talk about just when we're talking about player performance, it's all skill based or how they do on the floor with the ball in their hands or whatever sport it is. But what level of awareness do we need to have in regards to like their mental performance or how they're feeling? Yeah, well, I think you touched on something in terms of treating every player as individuals. And that's super, I mean, I just think that's so important because a lot of times, you know, athletes who are suffering, they might feel one of the things, I'm not generalizing because I really believe everyone has their own individual experience, um, is that they are just another player, right? And they're not really, they're being, they're seen as as an athlete that was not seen as a human being. And so that's one thing that we talk about. I mean, this book is, you know, you know, you're human, not a robot. That's the tagline of my first book, because that's what it, that's what it comes down to. And when you think about it, Matt, whether it's you as a coach or someone as a player, we all essentially want the same things, right? We want to achieve and we want to have our goals met and follow our passions. But what else do we all want? We all want to feel love. We all want to feel peace. There's these commonalities that it doesn't yeah. matter if you're an adult and a child or where you're at in your life, everybody wants those things. So when you look at it that way, it's like, okay, when I can tap into that, how can I build a culture around that in my um, on my team that allows for these things to happen? So I think part of that is, you know, is checking in with your players and understanding too the signs of mental health and, you know, wellness and potential issues. I think that's something everyone should be educated on. 
Um, you know, but, and, and, but, and not necessarily taking responsibility for diagnosing that because a locker room's not a therapist's office. We know this, right. You kind of have to know your lane. Right. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to make like, that's, you're right. That's a, that's a little scary, honestly. Like yeah. I, I am not a psychiatrist. I don't have that training. And so there's a, always a part of me that like, uh, I don't want to make a mistake in that arena that ends up harming even if I have the best intentions with that young man, I don't want to make that mistake. So I don't know, maybe you can help ease that fear, or give a little bit more confidence, even to us coaches that do want to be better at this. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think it, it doesn't, and, and I'm not a psychiatrist either, by the way. So if someone needs a higher level of care, I need to refer them out to one of my many like referral partners who are amazing. Um, but again, I think this comes down to just being a human being and paying attention to the individual. So as a coach, you might, it, it's as simple as being in a practice of asking your players, hey, you know, how are you? How are you doing today? You know, like they're, they're, I was talking to a football or a former football coach and he's like, I used to just walk around during warmups and ask every single player, hey, how are you doing today? What's going on? How you, you know, what's going on with you? That kind of stuff. Because whether they open up to you in that moment or not, and they may, or you may see it like sense something is off. Mm -hmm. And then you can say at that point, okay, like what's our next step here? Do I need to pull this player aside and have a quick conversation with them? Do I need to help them get them to the right person? Like, what's that look like? But you don't know, like if you're not asking and even though they may not say it in the moment. So this goes again for adults, teenagers, whoever, the fact that you show up consistently is what's going to give them confidence to come to you when there is a bigger problem. So the saying, you know, the saying is a safe place is a consistent place. Hmm. So if you're consistently just saying, Hey, you know, Hey, Jimmy, how, how are you today? Like, how are things going? Are things okay at home? You know, and you're kind of just, even if it's just a quick discussion, you do that often enough and consistently enough. And that player might feel, to come up to you and that, you know what, coach, like I'm actually not doing so well right now, you know, like things are tough at home and whatever. Oh, really? That's interesting. Tell me more about that. And again, you don't have to step into that therapist role, but just using your intuition, like, okay, so here's the next best step. Like, do you, would you like me to help you go talk to this person or keeping, you know, keeping an eye on that type of thing? Does, does that help? Yeah, that's great. And, and I really appreciate you giving me something um concrete that I can do like a step like a whole idea behind this podcast is not what you do but how you do what you do like because so if you were just to say hey have more awareness and and, and you know get to know your players better that's great I think that you know, a lot of cultures include that and we we kind of understand that now but one thing I've, I've heard from a lot of coaches I try to do is just get a lot of touches every day but a touch can just be like a pat on the back while they're doing yeah. ball handling and saying their name you're kind of taking it to another level of almost opening a, the door for dialogue, which honestly, full transparency, I don't do that well. I do something called a 10-minute meeting, which is a scheduled deal that, that you know, using uh, just a volunteer link. They find a time. They ask five or five minutes of questions. Then I ask five minutes of questions. And it could be about anything. But yeah. that is once every month or two. And then, then I'm just hoping that I maybe have some random interactions with them, which basing your game on hope is never a good idea. And so I, I like the idea of I have it, most of our practices have built in warm up time, some individual drills 
where they're self-governing, they're running it, but I, I have the time to take my personal touches another step. So I, that's a really good nugget. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that, that can, that can go a long way again, because again, it's just show whether they open up to you in that moment or not. First of all, it's giving you more interaction to them to observe them. Because I think it's hard to, to just look at a player and say, Oh, they performed well today. They must be all right. We have to remember that a lot of, a lot of athletes will use their sport as their outlet and that's their exclusive outlet, which means that they are compartmentalizing everything when they are on that court. So maybe when they come on that court and they're in beast mode, it's because something's really freaking difficult for them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that, and we're praising that they're in beast mode, but we're not realizing that that's coming from a place that they still need to address off the court. Right. So um, I think like, it's just like those little nuances of things that when you just start, start to pay attention, and this is why it's important to understand the individual. Some individuals might shut down and get distracted. Some might go the complete opposite direction. You don't know, unless, you know, you're sort of just paying a little bit more of attention. Yeah. I love that title of your first book where it says they're not robots. Cause yeah. I think I'm, I'm guilty of that. I think a lot of coaches are, is we want every player to act the same. Now I, I would make our I, jobs a lot easier, right? No doubt. No doubt. But like, we get frustrated. We get frustrated. Why? When I've got Johnny here that just does everything right in my right. eyes. And then Timmy here, who seems to just struggle and be up and down. And so I think maybe the stretch for me or coaches is going to be, we have our culture and our standards that we have to hold them to, but there has to be a level of understanding that some are going to, find that standard easier than others and 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 then also be aware like you said that maybe they're coming in with a little more just anger and hostility which can be used for good on the floor but maybe instead of just oh i love that like bring that every day hold on maybe i ask the question why like why today why is johnny look like he wants to run through a brick wall because maybe there's something deeper going on. Yeah. And it might be something great. You don't know, but this is what we have to be. This is why I love mindfulness so much. You have to kind of get into the state of curiosity to understand that player's buttons. You know, and that's really what what I'm working to do is as a mental coach. Okay. Like what are, what are your buttons? Like what are your, what motivates you? What takes away that motivation? Right. Like kind of like all those things, like when are you playing your best? When are you not playing your best? And just kind of understanding where, what, like where those dots are so that you can help them do more of that in a way that's healthy because we don't want them to leave the sport. And like so many athletes struggle because now their outlet is gone, their identity is gone, and they've only ever felt like anything they ever was, it was an athlete. That's the only thing they were ever praised for was being an athlete. Yeah. identity right yeah right so just kind of like hey you know like beyond you know hey you know like you're an awesome whatever you're the best three-point shooter on the team but also you know like hey you know what like i think you're a really good leader you know even like just things like that like kind of like builds up confidence i think in other areas but again those are the things that lets the player know that you see them as an individual yeah that trust in you sorry go ahead yeah that that's good and i I wrote down the a question that you you just kind of said real quick was we got to know what motivates our players. Uh, you 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 said the word buttons, which I like that. Like uh, how many times 
Am I saying or doing something in a way that I feel like should motivate this player? But if I really have no relationship or if I don't know, I immediately thought of my first year in coaching of 16 years ago. And, and as somebody who played in college, I used to think every high school player wanted to play in college. So I, I kept saying this phrase, like, that's not going to work at the next level. That's not going to work at the next level. And, and then finally, thankfully, a senior on that first team looked at me and said, coach, like, I don't want to play at the next level. And it floored me. And I thought, you, what? Like, why are you doing this? Like, that's kind of what I thought. But I thought that the same thing that motivated me motivated them. And, and I, I golly, I feel like that's something that coaches struggle with all the time. And, and especially as we get, I get, I mean, I'm 41 now. You get older, you feel this disconnect. But having those one-on-ones, asking the question, and thank you again for that nugget of, even if they don't respond that time, it doesn't mean that that's a waste of an activity. Because a Don Meyer quote, and I'm sorry for rambling, it's just really good what you oh, said. Please. Um, Don Meyer quote, one of my favorites is, they won't know or they won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what it is. Right. That's what it is. I mean, think about what you respond to. You know, if you were going through a hard time, you're going to go to the person or persons who have been the most consistent in your life that you feel like you can trust who to be vulnerable with because they're consistently there for you. And they consistently say, Hey, how are you? You know, just, just, I mean, it's like the simplest things. And with teenagers, we know how they are, you know, we'll talk to them. And sometimes we feel like they're not paying attention at all. And then like two weeks go by or whatever it is. And suddenly they're regurgitating something that we said to them. They're like, and you're thinking, I thought you weren't even listening to me, but they're, you know, they're absorbing. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) You know, I think, I think that's, you know, that's different. And I want, I want to, if it's okay, I want to share another tip that I think can help a lot of teams with this as well. Um, Because I know as coaches, you can't, you can't do it all, right? You can't like coach a sport, do the plays, do this, do that. Make sure each individual, there's only, you only have so much bandwidth, right? And so much time, I think within practices and different places that you're at. So something that I think is, is really helpful is if the team has the, the resources to do it are peer groups. I'm really, really, really big into peer groups. I even have one that I did that I co-host once a week with a former NFL player. And it's nothing but former pro athletes that are in this peer group from different sports, but all former pro athletes. And the beauty behind these peer groups is even if, you know, the coach isn't in them, but the program is able to kind of set up these groups. If it's just like a weekly, I don't know, 20, 30 minute space where your players have the ability to come together and and talk i mean they're it's obviously moderated and led by somebody they're so helpful because number one it builds team bonding because now you know what's making your teammate tick and you understand what's going on with them right so kind of you get back to that motivation you get back to you know that the understanding the the person beside you right on that court yeah. that you're battle with so i think that's really helpful and then two It's solving this problem of isolation, which is like so rampant right now where people feel so isolated and and lonely teenagers again or adults because they feel um, more and more like people don't understand them. But when you're among a group of your peers and someone is saying, oh, yeah, I feel that way, too. It's like, oh, okay, it's not just it's not just me. So there's somebody else here that gets my experience. So I think those groups are so powerful for giving individuals a place to out you know to bond 
but also, um, you know, learn about themselves a little bit more and, um, and provide that mental support. And again, if someone needs additional higher support, then you help them get that. But um, I find them, I find peer groups to be really, really valuable. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Bology. Manage and measure your players' skill development and increase accountability year-round utilizing the Bology app. Boost inter-squad competition with drills backed by the National High School Basketball Coaches Association, including a 40-shot Bology skills assessment. Please visit Bology.com teams for information on how you can provide this resource for your team. What are your thoughts on, so like at a school like mine, where we have roughly 30 to 35 in the gym, as in season especially, and maybe, you know, five or six of those are seniors and not just not that seniors have to be your leaders, but there is this kind of feeling that they have this responsibility as their as the older ones, the last year um, guys that are, you know, carrying on the traditions and cultures of the past. Right. Uh, what are your thoughts on like what numbers should they be? Are the seniors is it good to kind of have them be leading those groups would you would you have questions kind of predetermined uh you know if like if i was to do this weekly like hey as leaders you know this is the question to start with but then just see where it goes what are your thoughts like what's best practices on doing that yeah that's a really great question so i think you definitely want somebody in the room who is an adult and just has more experience in general that can moderate these things because sometimes a teenager is not going to be equipped to help somebody with something that comes up so that's okay um so whether you know it might be a school counselor it might be you know just somebody in general um you know you might hire somebody like me to do it what you know whatever it is um i mean there's lots of different resources out there for this type of thing um but and, and sometimes the coaches are involved in it so like for instance university of georgia's football team they do this they call them school sessions and i think that the coaches are there and they do it like and they have the kids get in break their, the kids the players get in breakout work breakout groups and yeah. they have many discussions with each breakout group and i think i do think the coaches are involved in that but um as far as format goes and i think yeah you come up with a different the way we do is you come up with a different topic every week all right so this week we're going to talk about values so like have you ever thought about what your values are next week might be like character. Okay. Let's talk about what character is and what that means to you. Have you thought Mm -hmm. about your character before? Um, Let's talk about, you know, your mindset for a minute. If you could describe your mindset in just a few words, what what would that look like? Or um, emotions. Let's talk about emotions. Um, You know, like what are some different emotions? If you have a hard time expressing your emotions, one of my favorite questions to ask again, I don't care what your age is. If you were an emoji, which one would you be right now? Oh. So, <laughs> cause sometimes people don't have the words to say, this is how I'm feeling. They just don't have that emotional vocabulary. What what <laughs> emoji are you most of the time? What do you feel like? Most of the time? Probably the one with like the tired thing over the head. No, <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I mean like, um, no, I think I'm a, usually pretty happy duck on the pond emoji with my feet going like this yeah 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 it just you know it depends on where i'm at in my day sometimes i'm a little more of the you know the yoga meditating one that's fair you know maybe i'm more like (laughs) you know when i like that i like the idea of the the breakout sessions and i also thought too um that it might be a, a cool another approach to teaching or learning about your the the program's culture 
you know, so like excellence is a big word for us. And so, but instead of me just coming, you know, beginning or end of practice with an excellence quote, like uh, checking off culture, like a box, um, uh, have them discuss uh, what is excellence to you right. in your life when you've seen excellence, what does that look like? Exactly. What are ways within our program that we can show excellence or, or even the opposite of that? Like in what way sometimes do you feel like we're missing the boat on excellence? Exactly. So I think that could be, that could be interesting. Yeah. I think those, and, and then again, it builds the individual's confidence to feel like they matter and their voice matters. And so again, safe space, consistent space, you know, I can say what I need to say here and my voice is going to be heard. And, you know, if I'm really going through a hard time now, I know I'm more comfortable because they've built this culture and they put the actions to the talk and made me feel that I can step forward, you know, with what I was going on. This may be a hard question for, for you to ask. So like if the, if we need to maybe give it more direction, that's fine. But like, what techniques do you use? when you're helping athletes just with overall performance, like maybe it's somebody that you don't know very well yet. You're just kind of building that relationship, but, and you want to, I don't know, maybe just help or impact them right off the bat. What are your thoughts? So again, it, it comes down always to me, to the individual and working from the inside out because I I can sit there and say, you know what, Matt, this is what I think you should do to improve your performance without really knowing. Which is what most coaches I feel like do. I feel like I'm, gu I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, again, you know, you're doing the best that you can. I'm certain of that. So, nice. um, but again, I think, I think it's understanding that, you know, that individual. So is it something that they have like a negative thought habit? that is getting in their way is it that they need to do a better they feel like they need to do a better job focusing is it you know there's so many different little things that can happen is it you know maybe a coach said something to them to them once and it's just stuck in their head ever since you know we've heard these horror stories of bad coaches and how they kind of affect the mental side um, of, of athletes ever since then. Right. So like, yeah. you know, you, I think it's really like looking at, at the individual, but helping them. The first step I would say is helping them develop that self-awareness because you may say, why do you think your performance is off? And I guarantee you, again, an adult or, or teenager, well, maybe they know, but chances are they might not because they haven't taken the time to do the self-reflection they haven't taken the time to develop self-awareness skills. They don't understand necessarily what self-talk is. Maybe they haven't been taught to learn how to slow down, do some breathing exercises, meditate, be mindful of where your thoughts are. Um, that, you know, like those kind of things that I always start with as the foundation, because without that awareness, you could say, oh, it could be this or it could be that, you know, I mean, and then sometimes players come to me and they know exactly what it is, right? They mm. know that. You know, I'm in the middle of a game and I'm, I'm super hyped. I do my meditation before I worked with a player like this once overseas and a basketball player. And he's like, I get, I'm really good. I do all what I'm doing. I'm super confident. You know, I got the whole team on my shoulders and then I start missing shots and my brain just goes in a completely different direction. Right. And now I just start to like tank because I take myself out of the game. So we had to talk through, okay, how do you redirect that? 
and build a new habit to get back on track versus letting that distract you and kind of going down that negative spiral, right? So some people come with, with that self-awareness, um, but I find that most people, <clears throat> actually all people need to do a continued level of, of self-reflection and learn how, learn those skills because there's always things that we're, I mean, our whole lives, we're going to be able to notice and tweak things our whole lives, right? We're going to constantly yeah. make mistakes or we're going to say, I wish I would have handled that better. How can I do better next time? But that starts to happen when you build a habit and a practice of reflect, self-reflection, growth, mindset, and, and those kind of things. And once you start to understand what those things are and put it into practice, then maybe you'll be able to see, okay, I think maybe this is getting in the way of performing better. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you could just give me some ideas or tips, like the, the self-awareness, one of my buddies, TJ Rosine is a coach at Emmanuel college. He says, self-awareness is a superpower. It like is. It, it really is helpful. And, and, it's it's sometimes it, I, I feel like it's something I I may be so un, uh, unaware that I feel like I have self awareness you know like it so it's hard to pinpoint you have players sometimes that are on either end of the, this spectrum of you know they they can do no wrong and their stuff doesn't stink or they can do no right and they stink at everything and then you got some guys that are kind of right in between. So let's just deal with that player that comes in with maybe what would be called cockiness or overconfidence, but really could just be a lack of self-awareness in some things. How do you help a player with that? Yeah. So I think looking at, again, getting to know the individual and if you feel that they are overly confident, why, why is that? Do you feel like you have to compensate for something? Did someone along the way or somewhere along the way did you learn that you were going to get crushed if you weren't overly confident did you, you know what I mean like like so kind of like where is that coming from are you really actually super insecure about something and you're afraid of that coming out <clears throat> or is your confidence masking what you feel might be weak emotions? Like maybe you're actually really sad and going through a really tough time, but you're beating yourself up saying, I can't, I can't be that way. I have to be, I have to be tough. And so you, you compensate that by becoming a little too aggressive. So I think again, it it's kind of getting to know like, okay, okay. So, you know, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your confidence um you know but we all make mistakes so what happens when you make a mistake how do you approach that because it's impossible to not make a mistake you're human it's impossible to not go through adversity you're human so when those things happen how are you approaching that and i like that i think that's really helpful to, using more of the question method as opposed to 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 find to find the answer as opposed to what i think i've done in the past and a lot of coaches which is I've noticed that you have an issue with your confidence, but in a negative way. And they basically just, we we tend to just go down the, the list of all the ways that it's affecting them, but also affecting their team. And then at the very end, I say, or we, I keep saying that because I think I can kind of replay some of these past conversations in my head. But then I say, I really do need you to work on that or else we're going to have to deal with it in another way. And that's usually how the, I think those conversations go. But what I, I like your idea of maybe asking, without just coming out and saying, I, I feel like you're acting like a selfish player. 
and you're pulling away from our culture and you're not embracing. Instead of that, asking questions to really figure out or find the root or where that's coming from. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, and again, it's just language is really delicate, right? So maybe in something, you know, I appreciate, you know, that you're trying to do so much for this team. But, you know, let's talk about who your favorite player is, right? If you're going to talk about somebody like Kobe Bryant or MJ, for example, were they super intense and competitive? Absolutely, right? They wanted the best and nothing but the best. But, you know, I think Kobe in particular, a team player. <clears throat> I love that. And, and there's another, uh, I think Kevin Eastman. Well, I asked him a similar question. He he's a longtime legendary coach in the NBA. Uh, wrote wrote the book "Why the Best Are the Best," and it's like twenty five words that of his observations over like a thirty year, forty year NBA career. So a lot of a lot of gold in that. But one of his nuggets was to use a player's favorite player to send them messages, and 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 that's exactly I think what you just said. Yeah. So, and you could even bring that into either that just one-on-one discussion with that player or as a peer group discussion, like what makes somebody the best of the best to you and kind of start to peel back those, those layers. Mm-hmm. Right. And see like, oh, you know, okay. So <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned a little bit of the, of a meditation that you had a player go through before the game. Is that different for everybody or is there like kind of a, just a set pattern that like if you was to take a, a an, an athlete through like a pregame meditation, what does that look like? Yeah. So um, generally, if it's for a team, it's one thing. If it's for individual players, it would be, again, based on that, that individual. But essentially what we're doing is helping them relax into being able to play. So they've done all the practice, they've done all the training. Maybe now they're they feel really confident, but now maybe they're having some pregame jitters or what you know, I don't know who whatever's going on for that individual. What we want to do is take them to your point earlier. If you have someone who's overly confident or not confident enough, what we want to do is bring everybody to the middle. You know, that's like a very um, <clears throat> you know, mindful zen, whatever way, whatever you want to call it, but that's like a very big pillar is this this middle way not being to this way and not being to that way. So how do we come into this space where we're all the most clear-minded? Because sometimes if you're overly confident, you're actually not really clear-minded at all, right? You're not focused at all. You're super just distracted by that. I have to be overly confident. And if you're not confident, you maybe you're distracted by negative thoughts or whatever you know is going on there. So <clears throat> coming to the middle way is like, okay, let me find my center, get balanced again in my breath, And it might be just as simple as that, like, okay, let's focus on our breathing, perhaps giving the players an opportunity to um, guide themselves through visualizing the game in the best way possible and and just sort of preparing the mind and body to connect through those breathing exercises. You know, we can you can go through like a, a body scan and there's other things that we can do to help you relax and again get to that point where okay now I'm calm and centered and I'm confident and I'm ready to go approach this game so that I'm not too like overly like excited and I'm not too like you know nervous either I'm in this space where I'm 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 calm and I'm ready and I'm centered I like that (laughs) recently uh Steve Kerr they did an interview with him after the 
Golden State Warriors Kings series, and they were asking him, like, how did your guys win that game seven when you know it was on the road? Nobody really they they were down early in the series. And he he made some thing like some comments about the fact that you know they had been there before, so there is a part of confidence does come from actually having done that thing already. But he also mentioned breathing. He said we we're in a timeout and we we got our breath under control. We we're and I, I kind of paused like really like in the NBA. I mean, are they that focused on something like that? So as somebody that, because you've mentioned it, you know, getting through the breathing, as somebody who doesn't do that, like me, what does it actually look like in a locker room before a game? Am I am I supposed to have them like do a breathe? What does that look like? Because I have no idea. Yeah. It, and again, it depends on your comfort levels. And some people, a lot, sometimes teams will bring te- somebody in that specializes in that. Well, um, we're, we're a small private school in Dallas, so, Fort Worth, and, and with a very small budget and resources, right. whatever we're going to do is on me. And okay. so, so what, it's, it's, it's doable. It's doable. Okay. Um, <laughs> I wasn't saying that to say that you have to bring somebody in. No, I'm just saying. Like, oh, I would love it, though. I would love it. It would make my <laughs> life a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, I and I and I study a lot of this under a gentleman named George Mumford, and he was a mindfulness. He is a performance mindfulness coach. He's worked with under um, Phil Jackson when he was on the Bulls and with the Lakers. So some interaction there. Um, I don't remember if he was a part of the team that Steve Kerr was on, but he definitely was there with with the, with the Michael Jordan Bulls team and Scottie Pippen. And then I bet he was. The yeah, Lakers. I bet he was. And, you know, he's done like a lot with a lot of professional athletes. There's a lot of pro teams that still bring him in. So, um, <clears throat> but it's not just like, okay, I'm just going to, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's like a season long process, right. Of, of teaching them these skills from what I understand. But I think it, it it's it, it doesn't even have to be complicated, Matt. I think it can just be, all right, like we're going to do some a breathing exercise to sort of bring us together. And what I want you guys to know, too, is that you can take this to the game. So one simple thing that I that's the most simple exercise that I teach um, <clears throat> kids, especially, is you count your breath. So you breathe in for four seconds together. You hold that breath for four seconds and then you exhale that for four seconds and you hold that exhale for four seconds. That's called box breathing. And so it's essentially what it is. Some people are not comfortable counting. So if that's the case, you don't have to count. But basically, you just want to breathe in for four. Like we could even do it together. If Let's you want do it. To practice Let's it. go. Let's go. And then. And, and, and I will also preface this by saying that you don't have to expect anything magic to happen right away. Um, so go on, not with the expectation of you have to sort of like become like, you know, Buddha or somebody <laughs> or like a Zen master. Misty, after we do this back. breathing, if I don't transition to another plane, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. We're canceling your show. <laughs> All you right, let's go. Failed. So anyways, yeah. So, and, and coaches, by the way, if you're going to do, we're going to practice this real quick together, but if you try to do this with your team and your players start like laughing or something, I want you to know that's totally normal. Um, I see this a lot, especially with, with kids. Cause they're not, I mean, they're not as mature yet. Right. So they, they just start like giggling through this whole exercise. Eventually though, you stick with it and everybody 
calms down and they just do the exercise. So if there's different emotions coming out, I don't want you to get frustrated with your players. That's a normal extension of what we're doing here. So, uh, and eventually they will, they've seen this over and over again. Eventually they will relax. So, all right, so let's try this box breathing exercise. So you can close your eyes if you want, but you don't have to, whatever your comfort level is. And I'm just going to count to four while we breathe in. And then I'll count to four. We're going to hold that. Exhale, counting to four. Hold that for four counts. And then we'll repeat and we'll do that a few times. And as you're doing that, just relaxing your body. And that's it. All right. Simple yeah, as it I'm gets. ready. So, uh, right, through, so. through the nose or mouth? So <clears throat> that's a great question. So again, whatever, especially when you're starting out, whatever your comfort level is, is what I always say. But, um, you know, when we're, we're doing it to concentrate, you can concentrate on the air, on your nostril, on your air coming in through your nose and then feel your breath coming out of your nose again. Okay. When you're breathing in, by the way, a lot of times we think we want to like, like suck in the air, but actually you're filling the belly with air when you breathe in. All right. And then when you exhale, the air is coming out of your belly. So those are some okay. kind of technical things. But again, when you're starting... Start, you can start where you want to start. So I'm ready. ready to give it a shot. Yes, let's go. All right. So we're going to do this a few times over. So we're going to go ahead and inhale two, three, four, and hold that. Two, three, four, and exhale. Two, three, four, and hold that two, three, four, we'll do it again. Inhale, two, three, four, hold that, two, three, four, and exhale, feeling your body relax a little bit, tension go from your jaws, and hold that, two, three, Four. and inhale all that super positive energy confidence and hold that two three four and exhale letting anything negative anything weighing on your mind just go and we'll hold that two three four and we'll just go one more round so inhale one two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, and exhale, nice and slow, three, four, and hold, two, three, four. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to the room. That's super relaxing. Yeah. How, how many rounds do you feel like you should do? And I, and I love that you said it, like they may giggle at the beginning. Uh, part, of me, part of me thought <laughs> not, not, okay. It's called a point guard lie. Uh, sometimes as point yeah. guards, you've got to get your big men feeling or playing maybe the way they aren't yet. And so you give them a yeah. little something that, Hey, really love how you're crashing the boards, even though they're not doing it the way that you want. But that's the right. point guard that I thought about like, it's kind of well known that the warriors do breathing now. I could 
say that this is something the Warriors do, or this is something that the Bulls did when they were wanting. I don't know. Like, I don't want to lie to them, but no, but it's look it up. Kobe talks about yeah. mindfulness and meditation. I mean, if that's like that's their dude, then then look it up because there are quotes everywhere. I mean, I have them on my website. I have Kobe and MJ on my website with these quotes about um what they've done with with meditation and breathing Shaq has talked about it because he worked with this guy too so i mean there's and, and not just players that i work with george mumford there's a lot of players out there that really subscribe to this and and, and i find too that and again like i was telling sharing this story earlier so you do this enough and you you get familiar with that um refocusing and um <clears throat> relieving the stress of your body right and kind of coming back to that calm place of center yeah and the advantage of that is once you start to do that enough you you get in the habit of understanding what that feels like so if you're in the middle of a game back to coach Kerr's point and kind of stuff is going crazy either for the team or as an individual you know what do a quick box breathing exercise I mean, you can even look up, actually, what you can do too is look up videos. There's videos of LeBron meditating before the game in their locker room. There's videos of LeBron on the sideline sitting on, you know, the bench meditating. So, and doing breathing exercises. So this, this is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I believe it. And, uh, but I think too, it's like, what will make it, give it even more validity with our players is not just hey yeah coach Saman made us that's my last name started yeah. uh you know making us breathe all weird the moment that i say hey like some of the top performers do this instant more uh higher degree of buy-in i think yeah, but then and then because at some point they start to feel it themselves so i hope you don't mind me asking these kind of specific questions but Let's just like normally our our I like let's say our girls are playing before us, you know, we're the we're the next game. And I send my guys in at halftime. They have that third quarter to get changed and do everything. I come in at the beginning of the fourth. We've got usually a highlight film already geared up because I want them to go onto the onto the floor, seeing themselves do things really okay. well from the game before, but then also a little bit of game plan and and, and then very honestly throughout because we play like 40 games very little raw raw motivation from me because i think you only have one or two of those really good ones a year before uh -huh. it's kind of like oh, okay here we go again but where should i fit this in as far as then we go out and we warm up and play where do you think i think you know you're gonna have to experiment and feel out, yeah, feel that's out fair. your team um <clears throat> it might be before you show that game film so it might because to me like that that for starters makes the most sense because you're unifying everybody and bringing them together to folk to relax and focus on what we're about to do and then you get into the familiarity of like okay here's the here's the film here's the i like plan. that you know here's because the before i walk in let's be honest i have no idea what they're doing and saying like yeah you don't some, know what you're walking into. Right? Some, some could be super focused. Others could be like, hey, what are we doing? Where are we going to eat after? You know, and, yeah, and there's because yeah. there's different levels. And and I, I don't really care that the because, again, these are there's not millions of dollars at stake with us. But then so there has to be an appropriate level of care from my high school guys. But that really can vary from like you like we've said a lot in on this call from player to player and to expect everybody to 
be so locked in and focused like they're about to smash through a wall. I, I wasn't that guy. I right. was quiet and focused, but not like, you know, sitting there shaking and staring, listening to crazy music. And, and so I, I think this is a way to no matter where you are when I walk in to bring us all to a certain point, focused, whatever you want to say, centered, right? Like get yeah. in when that you, in that middle right. space and then we yeah. move. Yeah. And you and you can even bring in your values because you talked about excellence being a value. So have them through that breathing exercise, focus on feeling the excellence within them. So like, I, you know, like, what does that feel that? Where do you feel? What does that feel like? Where do you feel it in your body? And let's tap into that. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Shoot360. The future of basketball has arrived in Dallas-Fort Worth. Shoot360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development. The result is a one-of-a-kind video game-like basketball program designed to improve your shooting, dribbling, and passing. Visit Shoot360DFW.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoot360, the future of basketball is here. Been able to talk with a lot of um, college and, and coaches, especially about confidence, because I think sometimes as a as a high school kid, I used to think that the college and NBA players, they didn't struggle with their confidence. They get to that <laughs> spot and they're just they're just they've arrived. They know they're good. But then it's refreshing to know that they do. And, and then I remember as a college player, especially when playing time is going up and down, there's times where you even contemplate like, why am I doing this? Like, what what's the point here? When you have players that their confidence is sliding down negatively, what are some things coaches can do to help uh, turn that around a little bit? Assuming, assuming, sorry, that they've prepared enough, done the work to have the right to be confident. Because if they don't haven't done that, then there's not really anything positive I can say to make them. That's like me telling you to fly you you can fly a plane misty right now right. you can right. fly but if you now maybe you can but if you've never done lessons it right. doesn't help what i tell you right. so what are some strategies right so i think that that's a really great question so i think again assuming that they've done the work um <clears throat> one of the things that you can encourage them to do is look at what's right in the situation um as as humans we tend to be really honed in on the negative and on everything that's going wrong, what we're not good at. Um, athletes in particular, I have found are very, very um, hard on themselves because it's like, okay, what's the next mountain to climb type of a thing? Like, yeah, I did that. That's great, but that's not enough. Yeah. Um, You know, or again, like somebody told me that I'm not good enough and I'm still believing that, or, you know, whatever's going on. So there's a name for this. We call it the um, the negative committee. So noticing when it when it's the negative committee and go and this is where again we're breathing and slowing down and mindfulness comes into play. When you're noticing like these thoughts are coming in, you can say, "Oh, I know what that is. That's the negative committee." Or you can give it like an alter ego name or how whatever you want to do to deal with it. So I'm thinking of all these negative thoughts, but I know, guess what, that I have the power to choose my thoughts and I don't have to believe everything that's coming in right now because that negative committee, they're just annoying and they're bad thought habits. And I can choose right now that I'm not going to believe those thoughts. So leading your players to be like, okay, so, you know, you don't have to believe those negative thoughts. So instead, let's take a few minutes and let's focus on what's going right. Right. Like right now in this moment, 
probably don't have any real problems. There's nothing really, you know, there's nothing really going on there. You've done the work. Like that's something that's right. You know, you're healthy right now. That's something that's right. So whatever those little wins are, and there's always going to be way more things that are right than are wrong, but the wrong ones we're just naturally drawn to as humans. Um, So just, I would say redirecting those thoughts into looking at um, things that are right is, is a confidence booster for sure. That's really hard, especially for players in the moment, you know, like because I think confidence, a lot of times we talk about slumps and and people think of slumps in any sport that it's, you know, multiple games. But there's there's even a smaller roller coaster ride to confidence that can happen within moments, a game like basketball where there's so many possessions and things can change. You can make two threes and then all of a sudden miss your next four and start to think something's wrong. Like in a game where it may be a little bit harder for us to have that sit down moment with them, anything that you can think of uh, that, that because at, at faith, we shoot a lot of threes. And so I've tried over the years to figure out better and better ways to remind them. Like one of our, one of our mantras is shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. Well, uh-huh. shoot to get hot means that you've got to continue to pull it no right. matter what. To, and then right. to stay that way is the same. What are your thoughts kind of in that in-game moment when you can see some drooping maybe happening? Yeah, I think I think allowing the player to, to remind themselves, all I have right now is in the moment. And I'm going to share something right now with you, coach, that I always joke is going to go on my headstone when I die because this is what I say like over and over and over again to people. And it's this, the future happens in the present. So if the future happens in the present, what does that mean on the basketball court? It's not about the shot that you just missed. It's not if you just missed 99 shots. It's about this next the shot that you're shaking right now, right? Because that momentum, the score, all those things happen, the re- outcomes are all going to be a result of what you're doing in the moment. So if you're folk, you're distracted about what you did before and missing that before, or you're distracted thinking about what the end game score is going to be and how many points you're going to actually going to score, or if your team's going to win or whatever is going on, you're taking yourself out of that present moment. And therefore you're not fully getting yourself ready to prepare for the future. So the future happens in the present. It's not that shot. It's this shot right now. And I'm just going to let it flow. And I'm going to trust that eventually all that practice that I've done, I'm going to trust my body. I'm going to trust my mind. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to trust myself to just take that, to take that next shot, to just to feel through it do the best that I can and take that next shot. And if it doesn't go, if it goes in great, if it doesn't great, because guess what? Now I'm going to have another opportunity in that moment. Now focus on taking another shot. That's a really great nugget right there that (laughs) I wrote that phrase down. Definitely going to borrow it. I had one coach say, I had one coach say, never use the word stealing because stealing's negative. But as coaches, we can borrow all the time. Borrow it. I don't borrow. own these things. That wording was imparted to me. From yeah. my, that, that's a divine thing that I used. To, I mean, it's for it's for everybody, right? Like it came to my brain, but it's it's for everybody. So take yeah. it home and do what you're going to do. And I think, that, <laughs> I think that's powerful, not just for players, but for coaches too. <clears throat> and you know what's funny is I, I went to I went the nutritional route with that quote because I thought like so many times after games, 
my my wife knows this. My go-to is I stop at the QT and I get um, most of the time, sometimes an energy drink just because I know I'm going to be up watching film, but I get Raisinets. It's my favorite candy. It, but like, I'm, I regret it in the future. Like, I, I know I will, but I'm eating it right now. Like, whatever I want, whatever my goals are for health and, and you know, as, as a coach or a person, I've got to start really thinking and honing in, not on the plans that I have for the future. Like, you know, in a month, I'm going to really start this new diet plan or workout plan. Like, I've got to think about right now what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what I'm choosing to do with my time besides getting on the treadmill or going to the gym, because all of those decisions, like that's the future. And that's a, at our school, we snap. I'm going to just snap for that, uh, that (laughs) nugget. Like uh, that's really good. Awesome. I love that. I haven't thought of it in the nutrition perspective before, but I suppose you can use it for just as I take the donut and I put it in my mouth, I take a bite. That's pounds in my future. (laughs) That. I'm doing hey. in the present. Hey. So I have a, a son who is a sophomore in high school right now. He's playing select ball. And it, it's interesting for me to watch him play. I love that he's listening to another coach, learning a new concept. But because I coach him at faith and I know him so well and feel like I know what he's capable of, because literally like I've seen him do some action so many times. And so with this select team, he's doing well in practices, making shots, executing, looking uh, aware and like he knows what's going on. But this spring, he's been struggling in games to perform to the Mm -hmm. point where his playing time has been affected and different from just a, a, a normal parent sitting there wondering, like, why is the coach not like my son? I know why he's not playing is because he's literally not performing the way that he does. How do you help a player that practices well, but then struggles to translate that to in-game? Well, I think it comes back to just full circle in our conversation of building, helping him build that self-awareness. So like what, what's happening? How, how are you feeling and what's your thought process during practice? Versus how are you feeling and what's your thought process and and feeling, I don't just, I mean, emotionally, physically, all of it. That's what I'm yeah. talking about, all of it. Versus when you're in a game, right? And I'm sure you've had this conversation with him, but like starting to build <clears throat> that thought, you know, of like what, you know, like kind of what's, what's up with that, what's going on with that. And and just noticing like what are the things in in practice that you do that make you feel more comfortable right so like okay when i'm in practice i feel comfortable because this okay great so how do we translate that into game time right how do we bring that level of comfort there and if you're not sure okay like so what's what's we need to figure out what's blocking that so is it um is it does he feel pressure does he feel stress does he feel some kind of imposter syndrome is it that um he's not trusting himself enough is it that he's getting like you know in practice it doesn't really matter so he's letting things flow three versus in the game where now he feels like everything matters and i'm getting like locked up in that um you know is there 
a pre-grammed ritual that he can do to help put him in that place to be more confident and comfortable um, and, and those kind of things. So just like work, you know, working through the different, again, the different little nuances um, that make up a, a human being a human being, right? So like kind of like what's going on with that? Okay, so what's motivating you? Um, how can we get you in the mindset? How can we bring you back more focus? Um, and, and just helping him, again, through self-discovery of understanding what the difference is, is and then how do you work through that to see what's okay now that I understand that what's going on in game time how am I again observing how am I really feeling right now what's going through my mind let me be honest and vulnerable about that and then um you work you work through it I wish I had a formula that you know coach that was like one plus one equals two and he's cured and whatever but it, you know individuals were complicated human beings so yeah you really let me down without no i know it's i, I think <laughs> i think you're right on the money though and it, and it does go full circle too uh, and even though he is it's funny because like i'm not just talking about a player i'm talking about my son and 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 i'm around him a lot and with me and our style of play um, we try to create a, an idea of uh, the guy, a guy named Doug Novak. I just recently had him on. He's a, he's a 30 plus year college coach. And, and there with shooting, especially the mentality they want is that I have to take that shot instead of I have to make that shot because the I have to make that shot puts a pressure on it that is unnecessary. Like, obviously, we all want to win. Obviously, we want to make shots rather than miss shots. But it's not possible to always do those things. It's it's not going to happen. So the idea of I have to take it means that, like, I, as soon as leather touches my fingertips, it's an expectation that I shoot regardless of the outcome. So, like, he gets to have a little bit of that freedom and feeling with me. This team that he's on, it's different. It is it, the better players. Um, just a different philosophy, not bad, but just different. What well, much more of like in the game. I mean, it's what I felt in college. If I made my first shot in college, I'll probably going to play a lot. If I miss my first shot, well, might be two minutes for me. And right. th th that pressure playing like that's really hard. So helping him try to navigate, you know, what, what I haven't done is like, I'll ask him, I've asked him before, why do you feel like, you know, in a game you're, when you take the first one or two looks, you know, you're, you're missing. What do you feel? And he, a lot of times he's just said, I don't know. And, but, and sadly, like I, I've almost, I've sometimes have just let that be it instead of probing a little bit more, not like, you know, Hey, no, that's not a good answer. What else? <laughs> but right. well, it, trying to dive into well in practice, like in practice, I, I witnessed you make a high percentage. Cause I think you you touched on a few things there. If your practice habits are different than what you're what you're experiencing in a game, then you can expect different results. So if you're not putting not pressure on yourself, but if those shots aren't as important in practice as they are when you play in games, so I think there's just ways like using that question method that maybe you know his mom and I can do a better job of trying to figure out how he's feeling. Yeah. And again, like what's when you're in practice, how does your mind, body and emotions feel? And then how do your mind, body and emotions feel when you're in a game? And if you don't know the answer to that, I, I want you to pay attention to it, like start to pay attention to that and see 
will you notice and emphasize that there's no right or wrong answers? And there's not a pressure to have the right answer on that. It's just a journey of discovery. And so by encouraging that, it's like, I don't expect you to know the answers and be perfect and I'm not adding more pressure on you to figure out what's wrong. I'm just saying, let's, let's get curious together. And there's no right or wrong answer, but until we get curious, we're not going to get to, we're not going to get to the answer. So, you know, and again, it might be like we were talking about a few minutes ago, trusting you know are you do you feel is he relaxed in practice and then does he really tense up in a game and does that kind of unlike every level mental physical whatever is that what's going on is it a lack of trust you know is he not really trusting that the way that he practices is going to translate well to a game and is he instead so he gets really rigid instead of staying loose like he doesn't yeah I feel like we've got a lot of players and I kind of, I can, a lot, most of us coaches can look, think back through the teams we've had and, and just, you you can see a few of those faces of guys that practiced well, but in games, it just didn't always translate. And I, I, I want to be better for them. One thing I thought about too, and this may help parents is after game conversations, instead of having the list of things that I thought that he could have done better or any player could have done better maybe asking questions. Uh, one of my favorites to ask him is, how do you feel like you played? Yeah. Because right there, uh, it, instead of just how did you win, you know, <laughs> uh, how do you feel like you played? Because right there, it can open doors to maybe some things, especially as a coach that I did see, but even more areas where we can focus on or he can focus on based on how he felt he played. Right, exactly. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. All right, the speed round. A lot, of, a lot of your, you know, your clients feel like they know you. But then after the speed round, they will they really will. Uh-oh. All right. Quick questions. <laughs> First thing that pops in your head. Favorite ice cream flavor. Ooh, Neapolitan. Hmm. Okay. There, there, a lot of these, some of these have to do with basketball. So if all you right. if you don't mind, greatest shooter of all time. Shooter of all time. You know, I'm a Miami Heat girl, so I gotta go with Dwayne Wade. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Unpopular take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but he was, he was, uh, obviously as a Maverick fan, I'm not a big fan of his because they stole a championship from us in 2006. Uh, but, but Dirk got him, Dirk got him back though. And uh, I he think did. that was, I think he that did. was an 11. Uh, what's your favorite holiday? Ah. Uh... Favorite holiday. Actually, this is really funny. My absolute favorite holiday is Halloween. Interesting. <laughs> I even had a Halloween themed birthday party once. So nice. And that was as an adult. That's what You're, I turned Okay. I was gonna say this must have been when she was a kid. No, 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 that's no. What it, uh, no, it was when I turned 39 and I called it Nightmare Before 40. And everyone dressed up for Halloween. It was and it was like a week before everything shut down for COVID. So oh. I went on my birthday party having Halloween in spring. What can I tell that's you? That's right. You're the <laughs> I ruined everything. Sorry, guys. Right. 
<laughs> texting or talking? Ah, depends on the, the conversation. Sometimes Great answer. way too much that I need to say, like my husband and I will be like, I got to tell you what just happened, but there's too much to say in text. I'll tell you later. Or sometimes if it's something important that tone is just not going to come off right in text, you know, so that's the right answer. Um, what, <laughs> what, what book would you give someone besides your own? Besides my own, besides my own. So definitely I've already plugged in. Uh, well, Dre's books are awesome, by the way. I would definitely put Dre's books on there, work on your game and some of the other ones that he has out there. And then um, George Mumford's Mindful Athlete. Um, and he just had a new one come out called Unlocked, which I'm almost done reading. But he, I mean, he's like such a mentor to me. So I always, I just plug him wherever I go because Love that. he's really, really, he's really awesome. And Dre, and Dre is really good too. Your favorite place to travel? Oh, I, we love going to the Caribbean. Like I'm always at, at a different, we go to a different island once every summer. Nice. They're like, why are you in Miami going to a beach? I'm like, because it's different. <laughs> <laughs> my wife different. my wife and I, it's it's Hawaii. And our goal for the rest of the time, I'm going to work extra camps. I'm going to do extra stuff so that every summer we can go there. That's the oh, goal. I've never been, but that's amazing. That's amazing. It's the only place, you know, through basketball, I've, I've been able to travel a little bit. It's the only place that when I leave, I feel like I'm leaving home. Like I'm leaving, oh. I'm getting, I'm homesick leaving, you know, like this is wrong. Like, but, but, you know, family vacations, we go anywhere else. No, I'm ready. I'm ready to come home after three days. And so, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? <laughs> well, I recently cut it down. I used to drink like almost, I mean, I don't even know. I lost count. I would just drink it all day long. Let's but go. I, I'll do only like a couple now. I've gotten okay. better. How do you drink it? So when I, I usually do intermittent fasting. So when I wake up in the morning, it's just black. Gotta but by the black, time yeah. I hit the afternoon and I'm, and I have my eating window, my calorie window opens up, I'll throw a little like almond milk or some cream in there. Nice. Not like when I was a kid, when it was like all sugar. When I That's first right. Drinking coffee, you know? Yeah, the coaching buddy of mine around here, when I was his assistant, I came in with a Starbucks and it had tons of sugar in it and it was just a mocha. And he's like, Matt, what is that? And I said, you know, it's a mocha, vanilla mocha. It's just what I get. And he's like, uh, if you want to be a head coach, you drink your coffee black. <laughs> from that day, from that really? day, black coffee That's only. Crazy. And look at me. I am the head boy's... <laughs> Um, that's awesome all right uh two more yeah well i'm just gonna ask you what's your favorite movie genre favorite movie genre so okay i'm gonna preface this by saying i'm one of those people that you were like oh you know this is that movie i'm like never seen it and you're like oh. what never seen it i'm one of those um but i typically go for like comedies or something like biographical like we just saw the the um the jordan one that came out a couple months ago yeah um, i like like true stories stuff like that um or something like funny i don't go for like super scary or dramatic or that's not my now are you and your husband more are you guys more tv shows like do you have a couple of go-to tv shows or anything like that no really honestly with the way our schedule is by the time we sit down to watch tv it's usually sports that's <laughs> fair. We're watching some kind of game on tv I mean, we had to each have things that like we stream. Uh, we were really into like Sons of Anarchy when that was on a while ago. 
um you know stuff stuff like we'll get into like silly netflix series every once in a while there you go um survivor for me and my wife that's uh we we have gone through and watched all 40 it's like 45 seasons now and we're current yeah that that's if there could be a class for high school that was probably be like sociology but we only focus on survivor seasons i would teach that in a heartbeat like that'd be really fun (laughs) Um, last one in any sport, who is the goat of all sports? Like, like, like who oh, is, who's the greatest of all, of all time, time, all time. Oh, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Oh man. I don't know how to answer that. Do people really answer this question? I don't know. Well, I usually, I'm usually specific and I say who is in basketball, who's the goat. Oh, I mean that's not easy either. No, but okay, just who do you got? I mean, it's I'll just tell you it's not it's not Dwayne Wade. It's not Dwayne no, Wade. No, it's not Dwayne. It, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm it's your choice. It's your choice. I guess it could be, but it could be anybody, right? So, I mean, if you were to ask my husband in basketball, he's going to tell you Bill Russell. Oh, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, like he'll get into like a whole rant but he's um, a purist then like you can kind of tell by that answer for sure yeah yeah no he's he's like a basketball trivia like they'll replay like old drafts and he's like oh yeah i saw that this is when they pick so-and-so I'm like how do you rem- remember that like he's one of those <laughs> nice <laughs> so um i don't know maybe i maybe i default to that because i have players who i like like as people and sometimes that's what how i pick them as my favorite players versus you know, maybe their, their skills necessarily. So that's fair. <laughs> well, uh, Misty, this has been awesome. Like I, I thank you so much for coming on and also hopefully enduring my questions. Cause this is a different kind of Avenue than I've ever gone on with, with this is usually basketball coaches talking about culture and all of those things. But I felt like uh, you gave, you helped me a lot today with just, some strategies, some ideas of how to really just be better for, for my players and help them to be better men or women on, on that side. Uh, so thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Listen, you anybody want to reach out to me, have another discussion, whether it's you or somebody else, you can check us out at Purpose Soul, S-O-U-L, athletics.com, or you can find me on social media most of my handles are the t-h-e misty buck and it's i have that not because i think i'm special just because there's another misty buck so believe it or not so i had to (laughs) differentiate myself i wasn't trying to be like sure you're you're the (laughs) i'm the yeah yeah well i mean it's whatever it was already taken so the misty buck is is me on most social media or purposefulathletics.com i'd love to have a conversation with anybody at any time about any of this stuff as you can tell i can talk about it all day long so yeah i'm glad you shared that because i usually ask uh for for what's a great way for people to get in touch with you and and so because i do think uh i mean in my opinion there's going to be a lot of follow-up questions to this and then maybe you know if i i I try the breathing out if I try that like what are some more what are some other steps that I can take and and so I really appreciate you sharing that and for for giving up your time this was awesome yeah thank you so much like I said just just reach out and thank you for um for being here today and for being open to all of my uh my things (laughs) thank you for checking out today's episode please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast 
share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.